0: You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends, your daily delivery of all things all pound, LGB on the LOB, Locked On Browns. Brought to you by the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. always appreciate everybody for making Lockdown Browns their first listen. Day in, day out, whatever podcast platform you are using, make sure you're following. Subscribe to the Lockdown Browns podcast, five-star ratings, written reviews. I'm going to continue through here. Uh, Obviously, we ran a little long yesterday, so we're going to cover Sunday's games. Um, You know, I mean, obviously, everybody wants to talk a little bit about, you know, what quarterback options could be available for the Cleveland Browns? We're getting to that a little bit. We got some listener questions. As Pete Smith from Sports Illustrated in for the ride here today. Um, I guess you know, start here. Uh, Rams, Bucks. Uh, Pete, it certainly had a feeling of probably a Super Bowl win we've seen from Tom Brady before. Um, you know, the Rams a lot cooking early uh, four fumbles four fumbles will doom you in any football game as far as making it close. But I had to feel Pete towards the end of the way it essentially closed out that as much as it felt like the Rams were doing everything they could to basically, you know, choke it away. I think Tampa Bay felt once they tied it that they were so overly confident that this was going to be a game that was decided in overtime. And it basically backfired and blew up in their face. Obviously, as Cooper Cup beat uh, you know, obviously one of our favorites, Antonio Winfield deep, uh, leading to a chip field goal. Rams headed to the NFC championship at home against the 49ers. Uh yeah, I mean the biggest thing with that was the Rams couldn't close. They
0: they they just they their offense struggles to hold and protect leads and getting Cam Hakers back was a massive deal. Unfortunately, he was part of the problem with uh-huh. two of those fumbles, including the one before the half. Uh, but the, the Buccaneers defensive line is really good at stopping the run. And aside from a couple little cutback runs, they weren't getting anywhere. So, like, the possession that led from the very end of the third quarter into the beginning of the fourth quarter took, like, 15 seconds off the clock. They just can't much with that and it kept giving
1: I think they uh, started with twelve seconds and I think they punted with fourteen fifty one something ridiculous like that yeah
0: they 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 don't have the ability to to really protect the lead. The Rams are usually more comfortable um you know coming from behind or if they have a lead, it's largely just by virtue of the fact that their defense is dominating in this case, uh, the game had, had sort of worn on long enough that Tom Brady and, and company were in Leonard Fournette and Gronkowski who had a, a weird amount of receiving yards in that game were able to make plays and ultimately score points and, and kept uh, reducing the, 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 the uh, lead. And uh, then you saw Sean McVay do a bunch of confusing things in terms of play calls that, that weren't working and they, it just seemed like they were doing everything they could to to sort of ruin the game. And then you get into the situation where it's tied. And for whatever reason um, I, I know it's sort of in vogue this year to like blitz on like third and long, obviously you know, this is something that the Joe Woods does quite a bit uh, in an effort to get the ball out quicker. But there is a point where it just, begging yourself to get beat. I mean, they clearly thought if they could blitz Stafford, he was going to hold the ball or something, or, or it was going to blow up. And instead they run cover zero. The safety is Antoine Winfield doesn't appear to know uh, that it's coming. And even if he does, I'm not sure he could have stopped it. Uh, They just go right over the top. And it was like, just, bizarre that you didn't do something like, you know, Joe Woods got criticized for this last year when he just basically ran cover four against the chiefs all game uh, a true cover four, just to keep everything in front. And, and we saw multiple times on Sunday teams that just insisted on uh, basically gambling in that situation and it completely backfiring. It was, it was incredible game sort of relief for Matthew Stafford, who played pretty well throughout, Um, but it confirms every suspicion you have with the Rams as they prepare to go play the 49ers again.
1: Uh, And maybe for the Rams, you know, seven times to charm in that respect. Uh, Biggest takeaway for me, if if I'm Tampa, if there's one player that's not beating me in that situation, it's got to be Cooper Cup. And it was two, it was two receptions. It wasn't even a long one. It was the one that got him in the, you know, got him in the position to throw to the long one uh, Cooper cup, obviously an incredible year, no way around it. Uh, he is the engine that essentially makes that Rams offense go. Uh, I do think for McVay's sake, look, I mean, you have to understand sometimes things aren't working. I understand there's a you know, a book, a recipe, if you have a big lead, what exactly you're trying to do. Um, but look, I mean, when you're getting to this point of the season and the, quarterback play that is there you know you got to understand you can't give these guys three and four drives to get 17 21 24 points because they're totally capable of doing it uh and you know you basically shut it down a little early and, you know in most sequence in most instances it's really really difficult to get it ramped back up luckily for the rams they were able to do so and for matthew stafford obviously an opportunity that you know, a lot of people felt you know he should have been certainly closer to as far as his abilities as a quarterback, you know, trapped in that situation in Detroit for as long as he was, um, we'll see. Uh, you yeah, know, for me, kind of a guy I'm kind of pulling here for. I always thought Matthew Stafford has some incredible talent. And, you know, we'll get to see if he gets to take it, you know, not only to this step, but hopefully, you know, maybe possibly to Super Bowl, playing at home, which would be, you know, interesting in and of, in of itself. Pete, real quick here, just this one. It seems like these talks have really died at the end of every season, the last couple of years, but it seems this year they're maybe being brought up a little bit more than normal. You think Tom comes back one more time?
0: Yeah. um, I think it has everything to do with uh, how viable he feels that team is. And, and I don't see any reason that they can't sort of keep the band back together. Uh, And as long as they can do that, I think they're going to keep going. If, if we start seeing other guys sort of fall off, like, you know, is and Sue going to keep going? Or, you know, some of these other guys that they have had uh, Steve McClendon and, you know, some of these other role players who are getting to their thirties or, or, you know, is Chris Godwin going to be back? I presumably he will be, but uh, can they afford to keep these guys? And if so, um, what does that mean? Like if Tom Brady thinks this team is good you know, he's done it before. I wouldn't be surprised if he suddenly takes less money just to say, let's go ahead and do this one more time. He played well. Uh It's not as if he's bad. Um, it's, it's largely comes down to, you know, does, does he feel like it's, it's a viable opportunity? I don't think he's interested in wasting his time to go, you know, nine and eight next year, but if he feels like they can go in a, a compete for a championship, then, uh, that will be a big deal. The other thing to keep an eye on in that situation is the coaching, um, not Arians, so to speak. But you know, if he really likes Byron Leftwich, if Byron Leftwich takes a job elsewhere, does that change things? Uh, I think this was a very draining loss for Tom Brady. Uh, I, I think you 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 play a game like that, you feel like you're gonna, you are gonna. First, you you are getting your ass kicked. I mean, it's twenty seven three at one point and you can't do anything, and then you get it down to tie it up, uh, and then they beat you on that last-second play. Like, that's emotionally very taxing. So, you know, right this second, he may not know. I think in a in a couple of weeks or a month, he's probably going to fire himself up. My – you know, if, if I start seeing pictures of Tom Brady walking around and he's gained 70 pounds because he's eating normal food and, like, enjoying life in a way that he hasn't before that doesn't involve avocado ice cream and everything else – then I'll be convinced he's ready to go. But at this point, I don't know. For him, I don't know what part two for him is.
1: I don't know that he has that next gear. Um, well, the first thing would be is if Giselle, even if there isn't football involved, is going to let him wander off the diet because apparently it's something that the entire family does. So we'll see how that works out. Um, and look, I mean, the ability is still there. Um, it certainly appears that the passion is still there with Tom Brady. Um, and for me, this is not something. I, like I, I've done this way too many times. Um, until it's week one, I will believe, if somebody else is playing quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that Tom Brady is not. The other thing, what you look at, it, just look at the NFC South as a whole. You know, Carolina, they ain't anywhere yet. Atlanta, they're not anywhere, certainly. Saints have a lot, a lot of decisions here, and nothing from that team looks like all of a sudden they're going to be a threat for the NFC South. So, I mean, if you can cruise through the regular season, Win the division, set yourself up for a playoff run. You know, hey, it, it, it could be appealing. We'll see how that one works out. Chiefs, Bills. There's a couple of things here, Pete, and there's some things that are always going to stand out from this game. And I'm going to contradict that in a second. But the 13 seconds, obviously, just incredible in its face. Two plays, and again, if you're the Buffalo Bills, there's two players that are not beating me in that situation. It's Tyreek Kill, and it's Travis Kelsey. I'm sorry, but. That notwithstanding, um, Gabriel Davis, the monster, incredible day from a role player, four touchdowns, obviously, you know, his best day as a pro. Um, Things that you'll take away from that, you know, all the whining, BS and ambition over the, you know, overtime rules, you know, that led to, you know, Kansas City winning the toss, taking the ball down the field, scoring a touchdown, game over. But Pete, in my mind, in watching that game as it unfold and everybody talks about the incredible last two minutes and all the statistical output from Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, I still go back to that third and one and you take Patrick Mahomes off the field, if not the best quarterback in the NFL right now, certainly the one a or one B best quarterback in the NFL to run some goofy freaking looking option play, which leads to a field goal. They play that drive out and score a touchdown. All the things that everybody fell in love with about this game may have never happened, or maybe would have never mattered. Because the game would have been close to out of hand at ten points at that point. It's the second
0: time they've run that busted option. Like it's not even the if first you're gonna, time. I mean, if here.
1: anything, just let him sneak it. He's six foot five, two thirty. I would understand that, but trying to get like cute for—I mean, if you want to get cute, leave Mahomes in the freaking game. He's the king yeah. of making crazy shit happen.
0: Dick motion with that back something, but yeah, it just it. it it's frustrating from the standpoint that Mahomes had literally been dominating the game with his legs uh, that, that you take the ball out of his hands because he's not mobile enough. I, I get it if you're saying I, we don't want him to get hit again, but I, I, I still hate that play call. I don't know why you're running option with uh, those that, that, that guy who can literally just charge forward and gain a yard. Uh, yeah, obviously that was a big moment. That was the big – Confusing, bad moment for the Chiefs. uh Thirteen seconds left. I, I I don't understand why anyone is running man coverage with two safeties over the top. I don't really don't understand why you're running man coverage with two safeties over the top against this team. uh They didn't have the athletes to keep up. um This is uh, exactly why you'd want to run that soft four, just to keep it in front of you, get the guy on the ground, but you gave him a, a you gave them a pretty free release he gets uh he gets separation going across the middle and then the safety has no chance like and it was it it's just a recipe to lose and it and it just drove me nuts uh see that i i really don't know why you know like teams run this defense at all at that level uh unless you just have an absolutely dominating advantage which you clearly didn't have in this game maybe if Tredavius white uh, was healthy. And in that game, there, there's more reason to do it, but uh, they, man coverage against some of these offenses you're seeing in this league is like just a, a good way to get killed. Uh, it's too easy for a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes and you've got speed of that caliber. Uh, I, you know, my biggest thing with this game was the the quarterback play was obviously magnificent, but like an all timer shootout, but the thing that kept frustrating me was neither team had any answer to try to create pressure on, on these quarterbacks. And what I mean by that is they all their pass rushers are slow. They have no – like the, the Bills have no one that could really chase down Patrick Mahomes, and he obviously did a couple of, of things where his, his feet were incredible and he made some guys miss and stuff that were just like – Fran Tarkenton, but, you know, way, way, way faster. But at the same time, like, they went into the draft this past year and they drafted uh, Gregory Rousseau and they drafted Carlos Boogie Basham, two big pass rushers. They don't have any speed to sort of come off the edge and, and like, really chase them down. And, you know, this is something that – and obviously, you know, the situation was different with all the injured linemen that the Chiefs had that year. But, like, the thing that Tampa had that they could do is send Devin White and Shaq Barrett, who are fast enough to cause problems. And even just – I understand what the result of the game was because the Steelers have no secondary linebackers. But T.J. Watt is you know a superstar, but he also is really well-suited to play that style of, of football and created a bunch of problems for them. Uh, the, that same defense, the Steelers' defense – uh, was able to beat the Bills week one. Like I, I, not everybody gets to have a TJ Watt. You don't all get to get uh, some of these other superstar athletic guys, but the fact that you have no guy who can sort of really run and chase like that to me, when this was a foreseeable outcome, like I think everybody was pretty convinced that the Bills and the chiefs are going to run into each other at some point with the season the line. And neither team, I mean, Melvin Ingram was great in that game, but he was too slow. Frank Clark was utterly useless in that game. Uh, And I understand, you know, Josh Allen is enormous. That's part of the problem, but they have nobody at, at at the first two levels of the field that can really give them, give him a problem. And you allowed them every bit of comfort to just take their time and pick, uh, pick the defenses apart when they didn't see it immediately. So um, I, I, so obviously everybody's takeaway from that is like, nobody has a quarterback can the, can do these things. And on the face of it, I agree. Like you're not going to get better play out of anybody than what you saw in that game. But it it's also telling to me that some of these defenses just do not have anything that like is, is built to, to defend these teams. And I think you're going to see, I would assume, I mean, the Steelers are good at it. The Browns have at least tried to adapt. There's other teams that have done a better job, of being able to create sp- speed off the edge. Uh, and I think that's going to be a premium this off season. Uh, obviously Micah Parsons was a big deal. Uh, like, looks like the next LT. That's part of why he's so big. I, you know, the, the guy that I think is going to benefit significantly as a result of this game could be David Ojabo, uh, the kid on oh, Michigan, sure. because he is built for this exact type of, of football. Um, and that, could help him. I I don't know if he'll go, you know, to one of those Jets picks or if the Broncos can find a way to get a quarterback that doesn't involve their first round pick since they played both Herbert and uh and Mahomes, but speed off the edge is so critical and neither of those teams had any and it just allowed those guys to be every like absolute peak of their powers and they get all the credit in the world. But I do also see where defenses just are, have no chance against them.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Bills DNs are actually kind of built like three, four DNs, um, you know, bigger, taller, longer guys, um, don't have the actual, you know, physical athletic traits that one's needed to chase around a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes all day. And if you're either one of these teams, that's where your, you know, all season focus start to is now, is, you know, what do I need to remain if you're the Chiefs? What do I need to remain one up on the Buffalo Bills? If you're the Bills, you know, what do I need to, you know, get over Kansas City and it's probably some speed on defense. Um, but for me, yeah, it'll go down to one of the greatest games we ever saw. But maybe necessarily if Kansas City had played it right, it didn't have to be. We we'll get to talk here on you know maybe some logical, we'll use this word, logical quarterback options for the Cleveland Browns to bring in here as we continue. Locked on Browns, Pete Smith along for the ride. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march through the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022 new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on all caps, no space to get started for football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Now, of course, with the never endingness that goes on with, you know, the talks of Baker Mayfield and certain talking heads, um, trading two first-round picks for Derek Carr, absolutely 100%, not, not an option. And, you know, of course, you know, with Aaron Rodgers and the talk out of Green Bay, again, not logical if we're going to use that. Russell Wilson. Um, if you listen to John Clayton, who is a long time respected NFL figure, um, he's done a few radio spots lately where he says, I don't understand what all this talk is. Um, I don't see or understand how Russell Wilson is leaving Seattle. You get down to the also rants. Um, look, you know, and you know, is Mr. Trubisky an option? Yes. Do I think Mr. Trubisky is an option to come in here and take a job away from Baker Mayfield? I do not. Um, as you guys know, when I talk about backup quarterback play, I, I do like guys that can do things with their legs. Um, you know, obviously you're gonna scale things back offensively for your backup quarterback. So you certainly want the option there that if things are if they're not seeing what they think they're seeing, if they have the natural athletic ability to make plays with their legs, that that has some appeal to me, but I don't think it's a major threat to Baker's playing time. Marcus Mariota, as Pete has said five million times, anytime this has been brought up, he threw one pass in the 2020. 20 NFL season you get to the draft and even if you thought even if you thought the Browns you know should address this with their first round pick you can talk to anybody covering the NFL draft draft ask them who they your top quarterback is for 2022 most of them probably will answer with I don't know yet or if they do answer and you survey seven people you might get three to four different answers Would the possibility be there to draft a quarterback somewhere this year in 2022? I don't really have an option with it. And the fact that you're going into the season with Baker Mayfield with one year on his contract, I wouldn't scoff at it. If they do draft one, I don't think anybody needs to take that as a, oh, that's it. Baker's done in Cleveland. It's good business. It would be developing your own backup. And it would also be saying, hey, at least we got somebody in here. God forbid it doesn't work out. God forbid Baker plays so well that he plays himself out of a number that the Browns aren't comfortable with, or who knows if whatever goes on, things get fractured and Baker ultimately walks away. Look, these are all scenarios that you could say could possibly happen. None of us know, but where is the realism, Pete, with talking about, you know, what's going to finish out the Browns quarterback room for the 2022 season? (laughs) Um, what do I,
0: what's gonna what's the quarterback room gonna look like? Uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, Nick Mullins, and probably an undrafted free agent that ends up on the practice squad, like David Blau. Well, th- here's the thing: like this quarterback class is this quarterback class is ca- causing people to do a number of things that scare the crap out of me. One, they're watching Josh Allen, watching Patrick Mahomes, and going. Just find somebody that looks like they can do some of these things and hope it works out.
1: Like, uh, that's really, really talking yourself into something,
0: (laughs) yeah. Like, going, Well, Malik Willis can do some of these things with his legs, and he's got a big arm, so just you know, basically teach him how to do it. Um, I understand how look, this is NFL people do this all the time, they will talk themselves into, into, um trying to convince convince themselves that they can do basically anything. I mean, we watched Hugh Jackson do this very thing with Sean Kaiser. Um, uh, You know, if you're basically deciding that you're you're one, acknowledging that Josh Allen is like the ultimate outlier, but also then saying we have to do it this way um, is pretty terrifying. Um, But if you're like me and you're looking at this draft, the guys who are going to go at the top aren't, Better than the guys who are going to go at the bottom, and the guys that stand out to me in that respect that if they go undrafted, or you're like, hey, we can throw a pick at them, even though we may let them. the The, the, tri- the problem you run into is if you draft a kid and you're going to then release them, then somebody else can grab them. You know, when you're trying to put them on your practice squad, that's a big reason you don't do it. But if you are inclined to get somebody like the guys that jump out to me are Dustin Crum from Kent State. And Derek King from uh, Miami, Miami, like, and and people are going to hate him immediately because he's short, uh, but he's been really good as a quarterback in college. Um, but in terms of like, if you, depending on depending on where you look, and obviously I, I'm a big fan of what Jim Coburn does in in, in the work he puts in in terms of uh, analytics and, and and data based on you know projecting these guys forward based on history. Like their odds of hitting it big are basically pretty close to those of like Matt Corral and and those guys. Like Sam Howell is probably the safest bet if you if you're even going to use that term um, of the early quarterbacks. And you know what Sam Howell's like career outlook is? Hopefully becoming Baker Mayfield. Like, the, and this
1: is it's sort co- of the a conversation I have had with several people and people outside of Browns lore who just look at football in general. You know what they say? Oh, so we compared to a former number one overall pick, to a guy who in his third year won a road playoff game. And it, it, some people who look at things realistically say saying if Sam Howell has a Baker Mayfield type career, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Of course, Baker's you know book is nearly, not nearly close to being finished. But go ahead.
0: Yeah, so um... – you know, can can you try to talk yourself into into somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo? You can try. I, I see people trying to do it. But, again, I, I don't know understand how you talk yourself into trading for modern-day Neil O'Donnell. Uh, Kirk Cousins, uh, you know, you, you – you
1: It don't play look, outside as well as it played inside, bro.
0: Well, forget that. But, like – and this is the same thing with Jimmy Garoppolo is you – if you think of the Vikings' offense or you think of the 49ers' offense, the first two names that come to mind aren't the quarterback. And that's that's a problem. And that's terrifying that, you know, you're going, it's Debo Samuel and George Kittle. You're not going, oh, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Kirk Cousins, you're going, oh, Justin Jefferson. Or maybe you're going Adam Thielen. But Justin Jefferson is or clearly Dalvin Cook. Cal- yeah, Dalvin Cook. Um, you know, they, to me, they are cogs in the machine. They are not the mach they are not the machine themselves in the way that uh Derek Carr is for example. Derek Carr um uh, is flawed uh but he's a terrific quarterback and can win you a lot of games and did so with you know an under you know an underwhelming but still capable supporting cast this year. Um but the problem with that is I would be uh, Derek Carr's price might be higher than anyone would ever expect because one he doesn't just make because a time. Yep, and and two, I I, he could be the biggest name on the market. Well, but the problem. Well, that I guess that's possible. But more importantly, I think it's when you move the team to Las Vegas. He was the one thing that was like coming that you knew was coming and was like a big deal and is sort of like the basis of this team. I think between the the situation with Al Day or well Mark Davis and. And their cash situation—that's still on, you know. Still, I, I'm not sure. Maybe it's improved. I, I just can't see where they—they're going to go. Yeah, let's start over because that's what that would mean. They don't have a ton of talent. Like the—the the fact that that team made the playoffs is pretty remarkable because they're—they're just top to bottom. They do have a few terrific players like Mac, Max Crosby, uh, but overall, that team. Colton Miller is really good. Uh, they do—they just don't have a lot of talent and. Derek Carr is the the one thing that that's uh, making them viable in the AFC West, where they should be finishing last. Um, it, you know, especially if the Broncos get a quarterback, the Raiders should finish last next year. Is that going to happen? I don't know. That's that's how impactful that is. So I I, I don't see how you're going to get him out of that out of that organization. I think they're going to get a deal done. Um, so uh, you know, they may end up with Josh McDaniels good or bad they may end up with uh jim harbaugh whether that's good or bad um so i don't think that's that's a realistic option so russell wilson let's pretend that he's available and the seahawks don't really have a lot more control he could basically try to go arson on the organization and sort of burn his way out uh but he's got two years left on that deal so ultimately anything that's going to happen has to happen because they're okay with it and i don't know if that's going to get to that point. I I don't know why there's, they're staying with certain people they are staying with Um, Pete Carroll. Namely, I'm not suggesting he should be fired. I just don't get what his appeal is at this point, but if Russell Wilson becomes available, he's going to pick where he goes and where he goes is not going to be Cleveland. It's going to be Denver or uh, some, some other team that is more suited to win. Hell,
1: if Tom Brady retires, it could be tampa like there are and I, i'll give you one more too i'll i'll give you the new york giants because then it start putting our eyes on what is the next phase of russell wilson's football life which is most likely with a microphone in his hand
0: um so you know it's to me that that feels like you're you're asking for a miracle and and aaron rodgers one he's going to be extraordinarily picky on where he goes uh two <laughs> It does seem like Devontae Adams is a package deal, which in that case, you're sitting there, if you're the Browns, you're going, hell yes. But ultimately, I don't know how he, how, how he comes to the conclusion that um, this is the place for him. I also don't know if that would work. I, 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 I feel like he has to stay in Green Bay because no one else can stand him. Like there is this element with him that I understand he's a a terrific quarterback, that final, that playoff game, notwithstanding. But I don't know if he is going to like get through a year with anyone else. I don't know a team that's going to make it sort of work for him and just like who he is. And he's, he's a pain in the ass. And no doubt. And, and, and and I know everybody's going to be like, well, if he's winning, we'll deal with it. But if they're not, or if it's like you know becomes a really contentious situation early, or things start to go badly, I, I just don't know. So ultimately, as much as I, I think it's going to be uncomfortable, I think Green, uh, I think he knows just how much he can get away with in Green Bay, and he knows that he can basically dictate terms to Green Bay, which are really all he wants. Like if Aaron Rodgers goes and says to the the organization. Yeah. I want a dome. It's going to be up in a week and a half. Like that's (laughs) how much power he has. And he doesn't have that anywhere else as much as he might want to. And so I I just don't see a a viable alternative. Ultimately, I think what you're going to end up with is Mayfield Mullins and some third guy. Who's not really attached to the the roster, but is sort of there. And they're going to play this out in 2022 they're going to build up the, the roster around them, which I I, I I don't know how anyone can look at this and go, not go, oh my God, these receivers were really bad for him. Even when they had Beckham, they were really bad. Donovan Peoples-Jones was the best receiver on this team this year. Rashard Higgins was arguably the best receiver on the team last year. That is not like
1: the Thank perfect him.
0: situation that people want to make it into. they like... They are really hurting, and I know all these people are posting numbers about how Baker Mayfield's failed in all these situations, and maybe that's who he is. But ultimately, I still come back to the fact that you're watching these playoff games, and you're watching superstar receivers, or or at least guys who can make plays, make a big difference. And the Browns don't have those guys. I, I think, you know, David Njoku is still sort of on the cusp of what he can be. Harrison Bryant can be a really nice player. Donovan people's Jones can be a really nice player, but this is going to be the crusade of this off season is getting a wide receiver room that is going to actually make a difference in the way that some of these other teams are. And the Browns don't have anything like what the Bengals have or what uh, Buffalo has, or, or, you know, they're not in the same. Kansas gality. city. Yeah. Kansas city. It's just, it, it's not even close. And, that's going to be the crusade for this off season. And if Baker Mayfield fails, if he gets injured, if he just is okay, then that's probably going to be it. But, um, that to me seems to be the play here. And the one thing that continues to stand out to me are, um, one NFL people still believe in Baker Mayfield a lot more than like fans do like, and, and analysts do or Um, Trying to try, trying to make a name for themselves or whatever, and some of them generally believe what they're saying. But um, the other part is the teammates thing just continues to come up, in how much they like Baker Mayfield. Now, they could be wrong, but we've net one. We never heard a peep about Case Keenum or anyone else last year, which frankly surprised me that we didn't get somebody going. You know, we'd probably be better off with Case Keenum, which says a lot about where they, this team that the quarterback play was that Mayfield was still the best option uh, while injured. Um, and then just the way that his teammates, even now in the off season, you're, you you see Greg, Greg, uh, Greg uh, Newsom pop off uh, in defense. Yep. As quarterback. You see some of these other guys that just like are not interested in, and maybe it's just a, I can pick on my brother. You can't type situation but it just seems like we're getting to way past extracurriculars in terms of how much they think uh, of him and what he can be. We'll see. And you know, the other part that you have to sort of believe is that Kevin Stefanski is apparently lying to lying to you for about 16 weeks in a row, um, which I, I I've never seen a more straightforward and honest group run this team. Um, maybe it's a, a giant con, but they tell you what they think. Uh, most people just don't like hearing it and, and assume it has to mean something else.
1: Well, and the other thing is it doesn't even look like these guys and, and this would maybe what you think. I mean, when you talk about Ivy league type of people, I don't think they have BS ability. You know what I'm saying? You know, because they're such an intelligent group, like it's almost like they don't have the time for the BS um, but for now, I, I I just don't see how any of these scenarios play out where, you know, Baker Mayfield controls his own destiny as far as being quarterback one for this team for 2022. So if you don't like it, you don't want it. You show me a scenario how it plays out because I, I, I've done it a million times. I, I just don't see how it works we got a couple of questions here. Actually, we've got one maybe that we'll ride out here, which actually is a pretty good one. I'm going to roll with that here. Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, your latest Locked on Browns. Hey, Browns fans. This is Jeff Lloyd with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. Get Upside. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN for 25 cents per gallon or more in your first fill up. Cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Download the app for free. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two dollars to $300 a year in cash back. And there is no cash. Cash pack gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get $0.25 cents per gallon or more. Cash back on your first tank. Again, promo code TOUCHDOWN. Pete, there are some questions here, and this actually was a good one here, so this could probably actually just take us home right here. If something happened and David Njoku is not re-signed, free agent, tight ends. And Pete, first off, there's a name here you've always been infatuated with, and we spoke a ton about him over the years, Mike Jacecki. Um, another one that appears pretty interesting to me: O.J. Howard, Tampa Bay. Um, we'll see how it works out. Obviously, if no Brady, most likely you're talking no Gronk, um, who is a free agent. But stop, that's not happening. Uh, C.J. Uzama from Cincinnati, who showed very well over the last couple of years. Eric Ebron, always been more of a receiver than a blocker, so I'm not sure if that's going to work. Uh, Robert Tanyan, who's uh, you know obviously had you know, some time being one of you know Aaron Rodgers' dues. Evan Ingram is a free agent. Looking at this, Pete, and I'm not saying they're world beaters, but this is – oh, and Blake Bell. I mean, if you want that, I mean, we could take the ball out of Baker and Mayfield's hands. But just glancing at it, Pete, this isn't actually a terrible tight end class possibly that could hit free agency.
0: Um. Yeah, I really like C.J. Uzama. Uh,
1: I've really liked him for several years. Um, and this was before Burrow. He was a pain in the butt for the Browns to deal with in like the end of the Dalton era. This is before Joe Burrow even started playing quarterback for them. He's a, he's a
0: good combination, <laughs> uh, player. Look, he's not their third option. I don't think he's more like four, but he's a maybe guy fifth
1: with Joe Mixon, but that's maybe why he's so successful, but go ahead
0: but he blocks well and he makes some key catches that just sort of, they sort of add to the, 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 the offense that sort of go, and we have to deal with this guy too. Um, so I'm a big fan of that type of player. I think the Browns would be a fan of him. Um, Mike Jacecki, I have always liked, uh, but I, you know, when, when I wanted to draft him, it was, I was literally going to make him a receiver. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he's just another guy who can attack different levels of the field. Um, that that is a, that is problematic. So, um, yeah, I'm a fan of, of what he, what he has to offer. Ultimately, I, I do think the joke is going to get done, but yeah, it's interesting that they don't have, that they have, um, that number of options. And I don't think you mentioned Dalton Schultz, but he's not, I, yep. I can't imagine I'm he's going to end up in, in Dallas uh, another year with the issues they're going to have. I, I'll be interested to see where he goes. I, I could see him end up with a team like New York or some New York or somebody like that. Um, he he may have uh, it, 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 somebody's probably going to sign him for too much money uh, because he was sort of like, again, you know, that fourth, fifth option that uh, had a ton of production, but you're not sure how much of that was because of him and how much of that was um, because of somebody else. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would assume that uh, new joke will be here. He wants to be here. The team seems to want him to be here. Um, the question is, Going to be with Austin Hooper. Um, what are they going to do with him? And if, if they were to cut him, do they have the sort of balls to go out and try to sign one of these guys to replace him? I, I'm still not convinced the Browns want to go in without another veteran tight end, um, which may ultimately save Hooper in, the fa- in addition to the fact that they've been very reluctant to sort of get out of contracts with players that they've signed. Um, but nevertheless. Um, you know, that, that's the fact that there are that many tight ends is good news for the Browns only for the fact that it may take off some of the attention off the positions they really need to address in free agency, namely defensive tackle and potentially wide receiver that should allow, uh, them to really, you know, fix the, the, the issues within this team.
1: Uh, there's work to be done. There's no question about it. Um, you're looking at possibly needing maybe two starters at the defensive tackle position. Uh, Jadavian Clowney re-signing in Cleveland it saves a huge, huge – fills a huge, huge hole. Um, but I'll be honest, I mean, that's great, and him and Miles Garrett are a great duo, but there is nobody on this roster at the edge position I probably want back after that. So you're talking a way of finding two more, at least. You know, if it's both through the draft, one through the draft, or you go another Tack McKinley route type of signing – so you have those questions there, you know, where are they in their confidence level? Can they get MJ Stewart back in the house and consider him the third safety that Joe Woods loves to talk about? And has always loved to talk about playing three safeties. Ronnie Harrison, I think his time here in Cleveland is over uh, wide receiver position. You're talking to, you're talking to minimum, most likely three, um, you know, you're bringing maybe in four five in the training camp to battle everybody out, um, to see, you know, where that position falls out. Um, if you lose to Ernest Johnson, do you have interest, you know, in a possible running back to get one year within the system? As you think most likely, Kareem Hunt would move on after the twenty twenty two season. I certainly have questions there. Uh, the tight end position, it, it is, it, it is interesting because you have Austin Hooper making money that he's necessarily not earning with David Njoku about to be a free agent. You know, how does that work? How does that fall? I mean, all intents and purposes, it seems everything David is saying. And as far as moving on had an original agent, moved on to the money agent, moved away from the money agent. Um, Makes you think that obviously he has some thoughts and aspirations to make this thing in Cleveland go further, and we're more than okay with that. Um, You certainly have, you know, the thought process of, you know, how does the whole Jack Conklin thing work out, and we'll see how that goes out. It's going to be interesting. Um, You know, obviously, you know, we get started, uh, you know, senior ball practices, those types of things, all-star game circuits underway, um, leading up to, you know, combine, leading up to free agency, leading up ultimately to the NFL draft. And we'll be here every damn step of the way, talking, walking y'all through it. Pete Smith from Brown's Digest, Sports Illustrated.com. Make sure you check out all the content for Pete and the crew over there. Uh, make sure you're also checking out, for Pete's sake, the podcast, Pete and Nicole. Hopefully, Nicole will be back in the saddle this week. You get a great episode from those two. Uh, make sure you're following at underscore Pete Smith underscore myself at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Show itself, locked on Brown's, follow back account. DMs are open. Um, appreciate everybody who makes Lockdown Browns their first listen, day in, day out. Make sure you're following and subscribed. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the yellow bee. Let's go Browns.